morning. We got uh, several vacating, some isolated, some sick. So we got a we got a lot to uh, to pray about this morning. I do want to read this to you. I should have wrote it down if I can find it real fast. Somewhere here. Uh, this was from from Ange. She said that. Uh, Judy's mom has now been sent to Lenore. Now, this was Friday when this happened with uh, kidney problems. Uh, her kidneys are shutting down. She has kidney stone as well. And then there's infection somewhere in her, which is not, it's not good at all. And then uh, Judy's sister, Shirley, is in stage four renal failure and under hospice care at Life Care. Um, and then, of course, Vance, I haven't heard back from them, but uh, Vance went Friday for a follow up from his. Uh, his back stuff from Baptist, but I haven't heard back yet on how that's going. So, uh, other words, that family still got a lot going on. So, be in prayer for all, all of them and, and Judy. Judy is a that's that's a strong woman right there. So, just uh, be in prayer for Judy and um, and the family as well. And then we got several coming back from vacation today and getting ready to probably have some more go out on vacation. So, a lot of travel going on. Be praying for safe travels, but. You know, we, this day and time, we got to be careful with where we go and, and who we're around. So make sure that uh, we stay healthy and clean. So pray that they uh, they didn't pick up any any germs while they was down there. Uh, this morning, we're going to be over in Job chapter 42. Job chapter 42. One of my, uh, I love the book of Job, but I like the tail end of the book of Job. Uh, I know I've preached a couple messages here from, from this passage and uh, about uh, being considered a servant, and that's the way that God considered Job was my servant, Job. And I love, I just love those, you, you see it eight times in just a few verses, my servant, Job, my servant, Job. So this morning we're not actually going to be looking at, at my servant, Job. What we're going to be looking at is seeing God firsthand. And I think, I think each one of us here this morning can probably say that at some point in our lives, we've got to experience God firsthand. I mean, really just where he showed up when we were down and out, where we were sick, where we lost a loved one, where something went on in our lives, we got to experience God firsthand. And that's what Job did. Job got to experience God firsthand when he showed up to go uh, from, from uh, riches to rags and back to riches again pretty quick. Uh, God got, or uh, Job got to see God firsthand, um, and I've got a couple of little stories again this morning, like I did last week. That uh, Job has some pretty good stories too that this my little book has, and I'll, I'll tell you a couple of them today. And this one that I was going to start out with this morning was about an older lady who lived way back in the woods, and she had begged and pleaded, and finally got the power company to come out and run power all the way to her house. Well, she finally got the power in her house, and as they were reading the meter, the meter kept reading pretty much nothing. Like she wasn't using power. So the power company sent a meter reader out to talk to her and see if there's anything going on. And he talked to her and said, uh, ma'am, we, we got power up here to you, but we realize that you're, you're not using hardly any power. Is it working up here? And the lady said, yes, ma'am. We turn it on every night to see how to light our lamps, and then we turn it right back off. You know, if you really think about that kind of power, that's kind of how Christians are. We've got all this power through Jesus Christ, all this power through the Holy Spirit that we have, that we've obtained through salvation, but we don't use it like it's supposed to be used. Do we? We don't. We don't use that power. We don't 
use the power of prayer like we ought to. We just don't. And it's always there. And it's unlimited. We can never max it out and we can never uh, lose it because we didn't use enough of it. That power is always there. And we need to be doing that. Now, in the Old Testament, uh, there's biblical examples of encounters with God all over the Old Testament and New Testament. But this morning, all we're going to do is we're going to focus on the one, and that is Job. I absolutely love Job. And I, I, there's a lot of times in our lives where we feel like we've been Job. There's times in our lives I know that we feel like we can't get, or things can't get worse. We just can't get, uh, we, we, we just can't get any worse. And we feel like we're Job. Now, none of us, I don't believe, will ever su- suffer like Job suffered. I don't believe that. Now, it might feel like we're suffering a lot, but not like the way that Job suffered. He was a man who, according to the Bible, experienced life's greatest turn of events. And like I said, he went from riches to rags and back to riches again. And so he, this happened and that, by God, and that allowed, so it allowed Job to prove his faithfulness and experience a deeper relationship with, with God. And I, I know that we can all say this, that when we hit those low points in our lives and we got down where we didn't think we could take anything else, our relationship with God got stronger. You look at Job. Job is a prime example. It couldn't get any worse, he thought. But his relationship with God got stronger. I think we can all say that we have been to that point. If you've got your Bible open to Job 42, stand with me just a moment. Job 42, starting at verse 1. The Bible says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, I know that thou canst do everything, and that no thought can be withholden from thee. Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understand not things too wonderful, things too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Here I beseech thee, and I will speak. I will demand of thee, and declare thou unto me. I have heard of thee by the hearing of the ear. But now mine eye seeth thee. Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. And it was so that after the Lord had spoken these words unto Job, the Lord said to Elphaz the Temite, My wrath is kindled against thee and against thy two friends, for ye have not spoken of me the thing that is right, as my servant Job hath. Therefore take unto you now seven bullocks and seven rams, and go to my servant Job, and offer up for yourselves a burnt offering, and my servant Job shall pray for you, for him will I accept, lest I deal with you after your folly, in that ye have not spoken of me the thing which is right, like my servant Job. So Elphaz the Temite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamite, went and did according as the Lord commanded them, the Lord also accepted Job, and the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had. Let's pray. Father, this morning as we open up your service, God, I pray that you would just have a touch today. God, I pray that you would touch the hearts of each one that's here. Lord, I pray that you would just touch the minds and the ears and the eyes of those that are here to be able to listen and to see, Lord, and to feel your presence in, in, in your words, Lord, and in your message. God, I pray for those that uh, we continue to hear of the, the sickness in their lives and, and all the, what we think are bad things going on. God, I pray that you would be with them, be with Judy and the family, Lord, as they continue to struggle with the illnesses uh, from every side, it seems like. 
Lord, I pray for those that are vacating, Lord, and that you'd be with them as they come back home, Lord, and keep them safe in their travels and their health as well. Uh, Father, this morning I pray that you just pour out your Holy Spirit upon our hearts. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit be felt. Lord, I pray that your presence will be known in our hearts and in each pew that is represented here today. God, I pray that each one of us, God, we just know that you're here, you're real, you're going to do something in our lives, Lord, and you're going to do something in this service, Lord. We love you, we thank you, and we praise you. All this in your son's name we pray. Amen. All right, you can have a seat. So we're really going to be focusing on about the first six verses right there um, in Job 42, and then we'll be over in Matthew a little bit too this morning. So when we, like Job, have a firsthand experience with God, several things happen in our lives. It opens up our eyes. When we experience God, our eyes are open to his power. Our hearts have been opened up to the love that he has for each one of us. When we experience God firsthand, we want to tell somebody. I, I don't know about you, but when God shows up in my life and he does something great and wonderful for us, I want somebody to know about it. I don't know how I get it out. I don't know how, uh, which different ways we'll get the word out, but we want to tell people just how good he has been to us. And, you know, Job didn't have social media. Job didn't have the internet. Job didn't have Fox News. Praise Lord, he didn't have CNN either. But he didn't have all these ways of getting the, the word out. This is how good my God is, folks. This is why you need to be, uh, you need to turn from your wicked, evil ways and go to my God, to my God, to save you. Job didn't have that. All he had was word of mouth to praise God. You know what? I'd rather start by word of mouth right now than any other method that there is on earth. I'd rather people hear me in person. I'd rather people face-to-face -face with me right now so that I can tell them because I want them to see it on me. When I tell them how good God is, I want them to see the smile on my face and the tear out of my eye knowing just how good he is and where he showed up to save me or to help me or to provide for me. That's what I want people to see. I don't want people to see me. I want them to see God and what he done for me. That's what I want them to see. And to be an, ex, uh, an example for them and to be a testimony for my God to the people in this lost world that we're living in. So there's several things that happens. The first thing, when we see or have an experience with God face-to-face, first-hand experience with God, one of the things that happens is we understand God. Now, I'll stop on that just a second. We'll never understand God. We'll never, this, here on this side of heaven, we will never completely understand God. I don't want to understand God because if I understand God, that puts me on his playing field, and I don't want to be there. But we have a better understanding of God and just how, who he is and how he can help us. Look at verse 2 again. It says, I know that thou canst do everything and that no thought can be withholden from thee. The Bible says that the just shall live by faith. Faith in God can only come with, uh, when we acknowledge what Job is telling us right there in verse 2. Look at it again. In verse 2, he says, I know that thou canst do everything. He said, I know you can do it all. Now, the way that's worded in King James, it can confuse people. Canst. Some people take it the wrong way. But the, the right way is, God, you can do everything. God, I know you can do everything. Until we grasp that, that's Old Testament, folks. I know that thou canst do everything. Lord, I know you can do everything. Until we grab a hold of that, cling on to that, and truly believe that and have faith in that, we'll never be able to meet God and have a firsthand experience with God like Job did. We've got to get a hold of it. We've got to say to ourselves, I know that thou canst do everything. 
Lord, I know you can do it all. Grab a hold of that, and then you're going to get to experience God firsthand. You're going to get to experience what Job experienced. You're going to get to see his power and his love and his might, and you're going to get to see the wondrous works of, of Jesus Christ when you grab a hold of that and say, I know you can do it, God. I know you got it. Now, that right there shows Job's confidence in God's ability. we got to have confidence, and I've preached it before, and I'll preach it till the day I die. we got to have confidence in our prayers. When we pray to God, when we get down and ask God for blessings or we ask God for, for God's help, we got to have confidence in that prayer. It's not a Hail Mary. We're not just going to toss one up there and say, Lord, bless me today and go on about business. We've got to have confidence in what we're praying. We've got to have confidence knowing that he hears it and that he's going to do something about it. That's the kind of man Job was. Job was confident in God. Job was confident in his prayer life. God was, or Job was confident knowing that God was going to restore him. Job was a confident man. Many of God's people don't live like uh, they should. They don't live with that type of confidence because they don't have that firsthand experience with God yet. But once you have that first, firsthand experience with God, you get confident. When you see him show up in your life for the very first time, sometimes it happens right after salvation. Sometimes it might take years for you to, to get in a rut and need God. But when he shows up and you get that, that first-hand experience with him, then your confidence gets built up, knowing who you serve and what he can do for you. Now, there's a lot of Christians out there that see God like, like this one person said. Uh, I, was re- <laughs> I was reading this, studying this week, and somebody said, <clears throat> Please don't take this the wrong way, people. God is a lot like our pastor. I don't see him through the week, and I don't understand him on Sundays. <laughs> but you know what? There's a little truth there to that. We don't always understand God on Sundays. I don't understand him on Mondays either, or Tuesdays, or Wednesdays, or Thursdays, or Fridays, or Saturdays. Sometimes I don't understand why God does it. What's the first thing we do when we lose somebody in our life? We question God. Why, God? Because we don't understand him. We don't understand him. I don't understand why we have a pandemic going on right now. I don't. I don't understand why there's so much riot and hate going on in our country right now. I don't understand it. But I know God does. And I've got to have faith knowing that he is in control. And I've got to have confidence that when I pray that he is going to fix this pandemic and he is going to fix the hatred going on in this world. I've got faith in him to do it. I've got confidence in my prayer knowing, knowing that he will step up. It's just in his timing. Now, if you've got your Bibles uh, still open, flip over to Matthew 19 for just a second. Matthew 19, 16. I'm going to read this to you real fast. Matthew 19, 16 starts out, it says, And behold, one came and said unto him, Good master, what good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep, if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. He, said, he saith unto him, Which Jesus said, Thou shalt do no murder, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, 
All these things have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that, that, that thou hast, and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. And when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Then said Jesus unto his disciples, Verily I say unto you, that a rich man shall hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven. And again I say unto you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. That very last verse, I read all that to say this. The very last verse is the, is the really important verse. He says, but with God, all things are possible. Only with God. And when you have the faith and the confidence that Job had, and have that, just like, like uh, Matthew wrote down right here, but with God, all things are possible, we can make it. We will survive. And we knowing in our hearts and in our minds that God is in control and that with God, all things are possible. We're going to have that, those experiences. We're going to have those firsthand experiences. We're going to have those God moments in our lives. But we've got to have that confidence. We've got to have that faith knowing that he is real and that he is in control and that he will do what he says he's going to do for us. But we've got to be confident like Job was. When you experience him firsthand like Job did, you start to see God as a loving and all-powerful God. When we have experienced him ourselves, however it was that we experienced, because every one of us have had those God moments in our lives. They're not all the same, but we've had those God moments. We're going to be like Job, and we're going to see just how loving he is. He can love on you like nobody here on earth can love on you. He can show you support and comfort like nobody can. You might think your mama or your grandma or your mom or, or your dad, I'm sorry, your grandparents, whatever, can just love on you and take it away, but they can't, not like Jesus can. When we understand that, when we see that, we'll start to understand God just a little bit better. Just a little bit better. Again, we're not going to completely understand him, but we'll get a, a little better understanding. Now, the second thing, we'll understand life a little bit better. Verse 3, again, back over in Job. Verse 3 tells us, Who is he that hideth counsel without knowledge? Therefore have I uttered that I understood not things to want, too wonderful for me, which I knew not. Now, if there's one thing certain today, it's that not too many people, even Christians, understand the meaning of life. Ain't that one of the greatest things being searched out right now in the world? What is the meaning of life? Does anybody know? What is the meaning of this life? Have you ever just sat and watched young people at a restaurant or while you're out shopping? What do they do? They sit just like you guys are, and they have their nose right there in their phone. They ain't paying a lick of attention to what's going on around them. They have completely missed the world. They're missing life. I tell you, one of, the, one of the funniest things to do at the airport is people watch. I love to people watch. I'll go to, I'll go to the airport because uh, I'm, I'm that guy that's four hours early for a domestic flight. I'm, just don't, I'm not going to miss that plane. But I'll go to the airport, and I'll sit, and I'll people watch. And I've learned people are missing life. They're missing out on the things of life. They're not seeing what's around them. Even Christians are the same way. We're missing out on what God has given us. When we, 
Oh, look where we live. We live in one of the most beautiful places in the world, right here, Avery County, Watauga County. We're in the Appalachian Mountains, and it's gorgeous. But what do we do instead of being out in His creation? We sit in the air conditioner on on our phones, all don't we? Don't we? No, Carolyn, don't. We do. We. I was fussing at them the other day. You know, if I'm on my phone, if I'm sitting at the house, and I'm on my phone. I'm usually either studying something, getting ready for a devotion, or you know, watching somebody trim a cow's hooves up on YouTube, you know, something important, some of that good stuff. I do that. I got a good one for you there, Mike. I'll tell you about it later. But they talk to me, and I'm not listening. Don't don't bother me while I'm on my, my phone. Don't bother me while I'm on my tablet, because I've got important <laughs> stuff to do. I'm not hearing things. But that's the way the world is. We get so wrapped up in what's right here in front of us that we miss what's around us. We miss the life that's going on around us, and we're not, we're not seeing this life that he's given us and all the great creation that he's put us in. You know, uh, Ecclesiastes 13, uh, 12, 13 says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man, for God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I'd I'd almost say that that's that's about the biblical summary, the biblical definition of the meaning of life. Right there in Ecclesiastes, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Now, most people in this world fit in this little little character of Charlie Brown. Yes, Peanuts, Charlie Brown. There was a comic strip of Peanuts one time, and it was Charlie Brown and Lucy having a conversation. And Lucy was telling or explaining something to, to Charlie Brown, said, you know, I'm going to read it to you because I don't want to get it messed up. She said, life is like a beach chair. Some place it so that they can see where they're going. Some place it so they can see where they've been, and some place it so they can see where they are. Charlie Brown said, I can't even get mine unfolded. I think that's where I'm at, especially at the beach. Some people set their chair where they can see where they've been. Some set their chair so they can see where they're going, and some set it so they can see where they are. But some of us can't even get our chairs unfolded. There was a, another story that went along with this about a man in, in uh, California who was working on an outside light and he could not get it working, so he took the light down and brought it indoors so that he could work on it. And his wife came in, like most good wives are, and, and asked, you know, in an encouraging voice, do you know what you're doing? And he said, yes, I do. And about that time, he hit two wires that he shouldn't be hitting, and it knocked him to the ground. Knocked him to the ground. Now, this person just happens to be Tim Allen from the show Home Improvement. I'm sure everybody's seen back in the day. That's a true story. So, in life, are we going to be Charlie Brown or are we going to be Tim Allen? Are we going to be Charlie Brown who couldn't get it right or are we going to be Tim Allen who thinks we've got it right when it comes to understanding life? Do we think we know it or do we know that we can't get it right? Are we in between? Some of us might be in between. Where do we fit? When we experience God firsthand in spiritual growth, we come to understand more about life itself. But we've got to experience life itself. We've got to experience we got to experience life. We've got to get out and 
if y'all want to go sing and dance in the rain, more power to you. But I know what pneumonia feels like, and I ain't doing it. If you want to get out and experience life, go get stand in the rain. If you want to experience life, go sit in a tree stand sometime in the winter and, and deer hunt. If you want to experience life, you get behind them dogs like me and Nat's talking about when we're bear hunting. If y'all didn't know, me and Nat bear hunt about every Sunday right now. Don't kill nothing. But you want to experience life, you get out in God's creation. And you breathe in that old oxygen that he's provided for us. And you get to see these trees and these leaves. And you see the shrubs and you see the wildlife. And you see all the great things that he's provided for us. You're going to start to see what life is like. And I'll top it off with this. You won't get to experience life sitting there on your phone or your tablet or whatever. If you got youngins in your life, you're not going to get to experience life the way that we should when we're focused on worldly things. Put them things down and go outside and be with them kids. Put them things down and go ride around in this beautiful country with your family. Experience life a little bit. But until we have that first-hand experience with God, we're not really going to get a hold of life like we ought to. Now, the third one, we understand ourselves. We're going to understand ourselves a little bit better. Now, I'm probably one of the hardest people to try to understand. I've had people tell me before, I can't figure you out. That's okay. I like that. I don't want you to figure me out. I'm just me. I ain't even figured myself out yet. Look at verse 6 again. It says, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. He hates himself. He's mad at himself. But it says here, Wherefore I abhor myself and repent in dust and ashes. I hate myself. I'm mad at myself. But I'm going to repent. We don't have to do the dust and ashes and sackcloth like they do. All we've got to do is just say, Lord, please forgive me of whatever we've done wrong. There was a little girl saying her prayers one night, and this was her, her prayer. This is the sweetest little prayer. She said, Dear God, before I finish, I want you to take care of Mommy. I want you to take care of Daddy. I want you to take care of my sister, and I want you to take care of my brother. And please, God, take care of yourself, because if you don't, we'll all sink. She figured it out. That little girl figured it out right there. This little girl understood a very important lesson about herself, and it was that she was totally dependent on God. How long does it take us to figure that out, as adults especially? How long has it taken us in life to figure out how dependent we are on God and not on the economy and not on our government and not on our spouses and not on our, our schools? How long has it taken us as adults to figure out that we have to be totally dependent on God and not anything else in this life? That little girl nailed it. She's a fountain of wisdom. She don't even know it. She is totally dependent on God. God, take care of yourself so that you can take care of us. That's an important lesson that everybody here needs to know this morning. We have got to be dependent on God. We can't wait on anything else in this world to get us through whatever it is we're going through. We've got to be dependent on God. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine, ye are the branches. Ye that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, ye can do nothing. For without Jesus Christ in your life, you can't do squat. You can't do a thing. Not one thing. Try it. Try it sometime. I ain't saying test God by no means. But you try to do something on your own and see what happens. You'll be a failure. 
I promise you that you'll be a failure. You know what the best part about relying on God is? Not the fact that he just shows up, but the fact that I can praise him for showing up. The fact that when I rely on him for whatever it is that I'm going through, that I can praise him through that situation. I can praise him and tell others about it. We need to be like that. We need to understand that for without him, we can't do a thing. We can't do a thing. We all know Philippians 4.13 says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. We have to depend on him. When we depend on him, then we're going to start to understand ourselves a lot better. We're got to, we'll start to understand that, hey, I can't do this. That's one of the things about depending on God that, that we don't even think about, is that when we depend on God, it means we're not depending on ourselves because self will fail you. I'll fail you. You'll fail yourselves. Others are going to fail you. But we understand that what Paul says here, I can do all things through Christ with strength of me. We can do all things through Christ who's going to give me that strength, whatever it might be. I don't know what it might be, whatever we're going through. He'll give me the strength to be a better parent. Give me a, a, the strength to be a better coworker. He'll be, give me the strength to be a better breadwinner. He'll give me the strength to be a better preacher. He'll give me the strength to be a better Christian. But we've got to understand that he is the one that's going to give us that strength. He is the one that's going to provide. We can't afford to forget that. Now, there, I'm going to close here in just a second. It was a little bit short today, I know, but um, I think it's, it's getting the message home. There was a, um, a, a young man had graduated from seminary class, or seminary school, got his degree as a whatever he was, um, and he got his first church. So he come in, he's pretty arrogant, come in, and he wore him a nice suit, had his sermon all laid out there, got behind the pulpit, very self-confident, self-confident person, got behind the pulpit, and he sat there, and he just started trembling, started shaking, and he just couldn't get the words out, just could not get, he couldn't open his mouth, couldn't let the words pour out like he thought he was going to be able to, and so he just gets down, he runs out just bawling. Just, just humbled, he just runs out crying because of what just took place. And there's two ladies sitting there on the front pew, and this is what one of them said to the other. If he had come in like he went out, he would have gone out like he came in. If you come in humble, you'll go out rejoicing. Come in humble. We need to be coming in humble to our churches. Come in to our homes humbled, knowing that God is who he says he is, and God has provided for us humble ourselves knowing that he has done it all that he that 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 preacher didn't do nothing that preacher was nothing but a vessel that god was supposed to be using but he got self-righteous self-centered and tried to do it on his own can't do that you can't do it on your own job had been humbled and in that humility he experienced god like he never has before when you humble yourself you humble yourself before God, you're going to experience him like you've never experienced him before. And oh, brace yourself. Just hang on. What a blessing it will be. And you're going to want to tell all the people that you know just what he done for you. But you've got to be humble. Job was humble. And when he did that, he came to understand more about God, life, and himself. When we, when we humble ourselves... We're going to understand a little bit more about God. We'll understand a little bit more about life. 
And you'll probably understand a lot more about yourself when you humble yourself and not be so self-righteous. We need to learn those lessons right there this morning. And, I, and I, this morning, as we're, we're going to close here in just a second, and that's, we're going to pray, and that's how I'd like for you to pray this morning. Lord, humble me. And, I'm, and I want you to mean it. I want you to have confidence in your prayer and faith in knowing that God has heard it and that he's going to do it. But I believe we need to be humbled. I believe we as a nation need to be humbled. I believe we as the church need to be humbled. And we need to have a better understanding of God, life, and ourselves. And then we're going to be able to experience God firsthand. And that's what I'm looking forward to is getting another one of those firsthand experiences from God. Let's pray. Father, this morning as uh, we close out your service, God, my prayer for myself would be that you would humble me. God, I pray that you would knock me down to the lower rung. Father, I pray in my heart right now that you would allow me just to get myself out of the way and allow you to come in to my life and work in me the way that you should. Father, I guess it's all right to apologize for being selfish. Lord, I'm sorry that I have been the way that I have. Lord, and I haven't allowed you in my life like I should, but God, I pray today that you would just remove all the sin things in my life. Lord, remove all the worldly things out of my heart. God, and, and, and I pray that there'd be room there just to allow you to come in and start working. Lord, I'm your vessel. I'm your vessel. I'm no one else's. Father, fill me up and use me, God, in a way that would be pleasing to you, Lord, in a way that would be glorifying to your name, Lord, in a way that would, uh, Lord, it would just show the world just how good you are and how much love you have for each one of us. God, I pray for the church. I pray for Chestnutdale. God, I pray for all the other churches as well. Lord, I pray for your church. Lord, I pray that we can, as a whole, come together. Lord, and I pray that the world could look upon us as the church and see all the love that are inside these four walls, Lord, and the, the love that needs to be pouring out of these four walls into this world and to this nation. Father, I pray that the hatred that we're seeing right now all over the place would turn to love. Father, I pray that the hatred that we're seeing in these big cities especially, Lord, I pray that we can go back to your word and what Jesus told us, to love thy neighbor as thyself. I pray that they will start seeing each other as their neighbors. Lord, they're not going to see color. They're not going to see denomination. They're not going to see anything but flesh and blood and know that that's their neighbor and love on them. God, I pray for our leaders. I pray for our nation. God, I pray that we can continue to or not continue, but Lord, I pray that we can be stronger as a whole. Lord, I pray that we can uh, come together as one, in one accord, in prayer and supplication, as the Bible says, and we can come together as one accord and fix this thing that's going to rise here in, in our country. Lord, we thank you where your presence has been seen. Lord, we thank you where you have uh, showed up in times of need. Father, when we didn't even ask for you to be there, you're still there. And we thank you for that. Father, I pray again that you would continue to, to lift up this, this church, Lord, and as, a, as a body. And Lord, we just continue to turn to you for help in our times of need. We love you. Lord God, we praise you for that grace, mercy that came up this morning. And we thank you for that love. Praise you for being long-suffering. All this in your son's holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. We'll